Hey, I'm Elizabeth Willits and I'm obsessed with helping as many women as possible achieve their boldest dreams after kids and helping you to navigate this messy and magical season of life. I'm a working mum with over 17 years of recruitment experience and I'm the founder of the Investing in Women job board and community. In this show, I'm honoured to be chatting with remarkable women, redefining our working world across all areas of business. They'll share their secrets on how they've achieved extraordinary success after children, set boundaries and balance, the challenges they've faced and how they've overcome them to define their own versions of success. Shy away from the real talk? No way! Money, struggles, growth, loss, boundaries and balance, we cover it all. Think of this as coffee with your mates, mixed with an inspiring TED Talk, sprinkled with the career advice you wish you'd really had at school. So, grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, make sure you're cosy, and get ready to get inspired and chase your boldest dreams. Or just survive Mondays. This is the Work It Like a Mum podcast. This episode is brought to you by Investing in Women. Investing in Women is a job board and recruitment agency helping you find your dream part-time or flexible job with the UK's most family-friendly and forward-thinking employers. Their site can help you find a professional and rewarding job that works for you. They're proud to partner with the UK's most family-friendly employers across a range of professional industries. Ready to find your perfect job? Search their website at investinginwomen.co.uk to find your next part-time or flexible job opportunity. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Work It Like a Mum podcast, where we bring to light stories of extraordinary individuals who are redefining the norms. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Anne Fennell, a remarkable woman who wears many hats. She's a wife, a mother of six, and is a passionate advocate for valuing the role of care. She's also the chair of Mothers at Home Matter. Anne's journey is one of dedication, resilience, and a deep commitment to ensuring that the choice to care is respected and preserved for future generations. From influencing family policies to her role as president of the European Federation of Parents and Carers at Home, Anne's work has had a profound impact on families and caregivers. Join us today as we delve into her inspiring story and explore her insights on the societal and political aspects of caregiving. Thank you so much, Anne, for joining me today. I'm really excited to learn more about Mothers at Home Matter. You've got a really thriving Instagram account. So people um, listening to this, their Instagram, you'll find it really interesting. But I know that you've put something there quite a bit that I find quite interesting that is quite a radical choice to be a stay-at-home mother in 2024. Now we're just 2024 and recording it. Why do you say that? Because for quite a few years, it's been seen as a backward step as, you know, to be at home is seen as sort of sepia tinted, you know, looking back to the past. But many of our mums say, no, no, it's a choice that we want to make. It's, it is a radical choice because it's not the norm. It's, it's the norm now is to go back to work. But I think this is a choice that you, you're thinking about, but actually, no, I don't want to do what the world is telling me to do. That it's something that you're doing for yourself, for your children, for your family, and it's going against the norm. And it's a difficult step. It's like a step in the dark. Financially, it's crazy. <laughs> As in, you know, who'd want to give up an income to do a job that no one sort of values? 
that it's given no recognition. You know, it's a very physical job. There's no one saying, well done, you're doing a marvellous job. And, and at the end of the day, it doesn't look like you've done very much. There's nothing to sort of, you know, there's no recognition of what you're doing. And yet we want to do it. And yet there is so much fulfilment in it as well. So that's why it's a radical choice. Do you think society and people look down at st- on, on stay-at-home moms? Yes. I think firstly, the confidence has to come within oneself because I think a lot of people don't even value it. They kind of know it's important. And even myself for a long time, even though having six, I still felt you know, shy of saying, oh, I'm at home. That's my main role. But I think once you start to value it yourself, then you give off that confidence and then other people value it. Because if you give off that confidence, yeah, then you get that back. But generally, <laughs> no. I mean, there's such a drive at the moment. We're recording this and there's a big drive about getting mom, particularly mums back to work. They, you know, they've introduced 30 hours free childcare. I think it's come in just as we've hit the new year for children aged over two, but it's going to be brought in for children, eight babies, nine months old. What would you say to if you were in, in a room with the government who are implementing these policies, what would you like to say to them about the want to stay at home? I'd say that there are many, many mums who would like to stay at home. And this proposal recognises that families are struggling, that people need to be able to work to afford bills. But we're not taking the step back to see why are families struggling and why are we not supporting families to make the choice to care as they wish. I mean, the drive for this childcare is not really about the children. It's about getting, it's about labour shortages. And when you listen to the Chancellor, it's about it's good for the economy when we're looking at what's best for families and what's best for children, that, that's a completely different question. And if you look at a, many, many surveys, mothers, like about 70% of mothers would like to be at home longer and be with their children longer. We're not saying forever, we're not saying, no, no, yeah, yeah. But, but more hours with their children. Um, it's such a precious time. It's such a beautiful time. And we don't want to rush people back into the work before either the children are ready or mothers are ready. So I would say, let's take a step back. Let's see why families are struggling. Let's see how we can support families and how we can give choice to families so that they can make the choice whether they care or whether they give it to a grandparent, they give the money <laughs> to a grandparent or to a childminder or to an external nursery. It doesn't have to be just one option. Because I was going to say, if you could tweet, do you like these policies? Are you pleased they come in or or not? <laughs> I mean, I think parents do need an option. I think we're about to spend billions on childcare. And there are many, many problems with this. Partly, we're not paying the nursery workers enough. I think the fact that we don't value what we're doing that we don't value either raising of children whether it's at home or in nursery oh, yeah. the fact that we don't pay people properly so what we're going to get is, are, are places which are understaffed there'll probably be you know a lot of pressure on these nurseries then they're going to have to tick all the boxes you know we're taking care of very young children then and children need sort of love and time and patience and nurture i don't think we're looking at the question of what children need properly i don't think we're even looking at what parents and families really need either so I would relook at the whole question I I would start from what do children need what do families need to be able to support themselves we need to completely review our tax system and also housing it's a huge question and there's no easy answers it is a real problem that people can't afford housing (laughs) no yeah yeah and then that obviously then people need two incomes whether they love their job or not, sometimes it's not really about that. It's just what you need to survive. Um, 
in terms of them, what so you sort of said you would prefer it if a family were given money and then they could choose that to spend that money. Is that how is that what you would Well, that's one option. I think there's two things. One, first thing I think people need to be allowed to keep the money they earn. So the way we're taxed is really important. One of the problems of being a single earner is that the more you earn, the more you get taxed. And so yeah. what the tax system doesn't do is look at how many dependents are dependent on that one income. So you get taxed the same whether you're on your own, whether you're a single person or whether you have five dependents. So one of the things would be to look at how we tax families and to allow people to keep more of their own income so that they're not reliant on the state for for welfare or for top-ups. So that would be one thing. The child benefit obviously needs reform because at the moment, you know, you start hitting 50,000, it gets taken away, whereas, you know, dual income earners can earn up to... These are things that are challenging for single earner families. And then if you're going to support parents to be able to send, you know, if you're going to put money into childcare, well, why not have the option that that money could be used to be at home? So you could extend, increase the child benefit, or you could increase a tax allowance for children. That's what they do in other countries. So in France, you have a tax allowance per child, or you could um, give it as a voucher system so that, so that that money could be used, you know, for caring in those early years. Yeah, I suppose it is all an economical thing, though, because I suppose then they're thinking the government, if people, you know, if they give money to families and then people take time out, they're not actually contributing to the tax system. And then when they eventually, you know, if they do get, decide to go back to work, they may be going in a lot lower because they won't have maintained their career. I suppose it is like wrapped up in, it's quite a big picture that it's wrapped up in. That's right. So you're looking at numbers, but I mean, I suppose we're looking the welfare and the happiness and the mental health of children. And also, I think you also got to look at, you know, a lot of people are on much lower incomes. So ne- they don't necessarily pay a lot of tax yeah. back to the treasury. So, and then what you pay in childcare, does that cover what the tax receipts back to the treasury are? I don't know that it particularly does. I know that, you know, p- career progressions is, was one thing. Pensions is another. But I suppose we need to have a wider picture and think about what's better for raising children in the long run. And for parents as well. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's interesting. So we sort of spoke, didn't we, just before that, you know, obviously I advocate if, you know, if people want to work, that's great. But personally, I probably wasn't ready to work, work until my youngest was two. And at that point, we're in the pandemic and, um, you know, at that point I was probably like going a bit crazy. So crazy being in four walls, but I don't personally and obviously everyone's different I don't think I would have been ready to go back like full-time when she was nine months old I think one of the sad things is that is that we're putting pressure on mothers and you know raising a baby and having a baby takes time to relax and to to enjoy it if you're thinking well I've got to go back in six months that's your kind of goal that's at the forefront of your mind you're kind of thinking well I've got to get them off breastfeeding or I've got to start getting them used to a routine or I've got to and so you're not enjoying it you can't fully relax into the role of motherhood and I think that's a real shame I don't think the baby's particularly ready at nine months they they start to have anxiety yeah you've got that separation not for everyone sometimes it's absolutely fine but it is a known a well-known phenomenon and that sort of happens to about three years as it gradually lessens but you kind of want to gradually let the child go Hello to all our listeners. This is Elizabeth Willits, your host of the Work It Like a Mum podcast and founder of the Investing in Women job board and recruitment site. And I'm here today to tell you all about our transformative career coaching services. 
Whether you're returning to work, climbing the corporate ladder or seeking a complete career change, our coaching is designed for anyone aspiring to make a significant impact in their professional life. We offer personalised guidance on crafting standout CVs that tell your unique story, effective strategies for nailing your next job interview and expert tips on optimising your LinkedIn profile to attract the right opportunities. And here's the best part. As a valued listener, you'll get an exclusive 10% discount. Just use the code WORKITLIKEAMUM when you book your session. Visit us at investinginwomen.co.uk forward slash career coaching services to start your journey towards career success. Let's work together to achieve your professional dreams with the Investing in Women Career Coaching Services. Which countries do you think have a good model then? Which countries, is there any countries in the world where you think, yeah, they seem to have it nailed, they value care, families seem, you know, really settled, women feel they've got a genuine choice, team working or staying at home, and if they choose to stay at home, that is valued. Is there any countries that you admire? Well, I've just taken over the role of uh, president of the Federation for European Parents and Carers, and so I'm just... I'm only just really finding out about different countries. I'm sort of touching the surface. So at the moment, Hungary are very supportive of families. They have a mission to kind of increase their birth rate. So I think they have tax allowance per child, but also once you've had four children, you don't pay any tax. Mm-hmm. I think as a mother, though, so that means when you go back to work. They also have a housing allowance so if you're going to have children. But then there is a downside that if you don't have children, you have to pay it back. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Pressure on you, on you if you can't have children. But, th- but there is a housing allowance. And I know in Germany, there's like a home allowance. And in Finland, there's a home allowance. But there are also downsides. I know in Germany, it's compulsory that you go back to school. I'm not quite sure when. You have to be in school. You can't take care of your own children after a certain age. Okay, so you don't have homeschooling. Yeah, Finland has a home allowance, but I know they're fighting to keep it. There's there's constant pressure to, I think they have a home allowance and nursery system. So, and, and in France, the tax system is a lot better than here. They, they take account of the whole household income and then allowance per child. So that is better. But they also have, a, I think people are very happy with the childcare system as well. So I have to, I am sort of finding out more. That's what I know at the moment, yeah. Because the feminists, a lot of feminists hailed it as a brilliant thing when women were taxed separately to their husband. I think it was like the early 1990s. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, you've been involved then, but, you know, what are your views on that? Would you think it is, you know, anti-feminist for the family to be taxed as opposed to individuals? There was a lot of reform that was needed in the 1990s. So in a way that it was a necessary thing in a war. But they kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater, as it were. So in 1990, when they introduced independent taxation, Nigel Lawson, he intended there to be independent taxation with transferable allowances so that if you didn't work, you could transfer your unused allowance to your husband and you could be taxed as a household. So there was fairness in that. There were allowances for children and with single parents, there was an additional person's allowance. But unfortunately, Margaret Thatcher wasn't very supportive those the additional clauses didn't go through and then gradually we got rid of all the allowances so you've only got independent taxation without any of support for families so 
we've kind of gone the other way. I think it should be a choice. You can be taxed individually, but if you want to be taxed as a household and, and as families, we are dependent on each other. So it's not unreasonable that we should be taxed. I mean, in a way, the principle should be that as a family, you should at least have the option of being taxed as a unit. And then for you to make your choices as to whether one person works, one person stays at home. Like we said, we are dependent on each other. So that really needs to be reflected in the way we're taxed as a unit, as a household unit. Did David Cameron not introduce, or if I got it wrong, where you could transfer your personal allowance? But it was so small. It's, it's, it was it's like only if your income is under... Only if you're paying the basic rate of tax, and I think you may get something like £200 back a year. So it's hardly worth filling out the forms, but it is minimal. But it it is in there, so it could be increased. And I think, you know, if we are going to start changing that, we could target tax reform to families with children and maybe children under school age, under four years old. That period which is quite intensive and does really need quite a lot of care, physical care, I mean, (laughs) that we are supporting families at that stage yeah absolutely so if you're going to cut tax we could target it to families mm-hmm. i know that you've been asked before are you anti-feminist a mother at home matter and what's your response to people not at all no <laughs> i'm not particularly feminist but a lot of our members would call themselves maternal feminists and i think the key is really what's choice maternal feminist then i think they would say that feminism is about choice women's choices to be able to make the choice which is right for you as a woman and a very significant part of being a woman is motherhood and so to not be allowed to be a mother in the full sense I mean obviously if you're working you're still a mother but to actually to play that role fully you know every day the day-to-day caring especially when they're babies that's actually it's actually you know anti-feminist to not allow women that choice yeah I think as well that companies could definitely play a role because you get a lot of people you know have a career break spend time with children before school and then want to go back to work and sometimes they struggle to go back I think it would be brilliant I don't understand why companies have loads of grad schemes and take lots of graduates on without prior experience but they can't take those people career returners I agree totally and I think um, on the same pro I don't think it would need overly tweaking for those individuals either and I think you gain many skills and qualities from being at home patients you have firefighting argument solving all sorts of things timekeeping I think you do lose a little confidence but uh, you know I think if you realize that what you're doing is valuable then mm-hmm. then you wouldn't lose that confidence and if you realize that you gain other skills but a returneeship that is a good thing and also in France I think Childcare is, is subsidised by companies as well. So I think it's part government subsidy, part employer subsidy and then family subsidy. So it's not all, the burden isn't all on the state as it were, but I suppose those who those who benefit from it yeah. put into it as well. So that, that could be another option. And you've done a lot as well, haven't you, in the community? So you've, you know, a lot of people, I think that's something as well that maybe the government forgets is that the drive to push people, you know, back to work or into work, then a lot of you know, community groups, etc., that rely on volunteers suddenly lose and they're harder to run. So talk us through what you do in the community. And, and <laughs> well, it's, it's been quite a long time because I've, I've been a mother now for, what, 22 years. So lots of things. Uh, I was chair of the PTA. I got involved in local politics a little bit. I ran a political discussion club. I read, I did was one of the people who went into schools and helped do reading, things like that, that sort of thing, just going in generally. We started a fencing club. So when the children were interested in a particular thing, I would sort of get interested myself. And so we started, um, they loved Star Wars and they were always using their lightsabers and fighting each other. So I thought, oh, let's see if there's a fencing club. And there wasn't one. So we started one in our local church. Yeah, I was involved with the mother and toddler groups. We also started a drama club for teenagers. So when my boys were teenagers, we ran 
I did a couple of shows for teenagers. COVID stopped that, but I will go back to that. COVID, oh, wasn't COVID? COVID obviously interrupted a lot. Have you ever been tempted to return to paid work? I have done paid work. So when, when I needed to, I was an editor before. So I'm, I'm very happy to be paid for, for working. Life is gets quite full of unpaid work, but we've always had lodgers to help us pay. I mean, what, before we moved, I had six boys in a bedroom and a lodger in one bedroom. So, uh, you know, you find ways of earning a bit of money or bringing it in. It's never, I don't miss sort of the work as such. I don't see that as my identity, but I'm very happy. Yeah. What were you doing before you had children? Yeah, I was in editing. But it, funny enough, I made a decision before that with my husband. And we got, I got married fairly young. I was 23. And he said to me, you know, what do you really want to do with your life? I'd kind of wanted to be in TV and I'd kind of wanted to, I didn't really know. And I said, I said, I'd like to do a bit of acting. I'd like to maybe teach drama. And he said, well, why don't, we also had this idea that the community wasn't, was sort of dead and we'd like to be involved somehow. We didn't really know. It was a kind of ideal. And because he had spent like seven years and he was an architect and he had just, he was just starting out. And I always knew that I wanted to be home when I had children. Yeah. We decided that I would give up my work and then see what happened and it was a bit crazy we didn't have much money and it was a real step in the dark and, and I thought when I, I sort of handed in my notice for the publishing company and I thought this is a really crazy thing to do but it ended up being one of the best things my boss came back to me said Anne we don't really want to lose you why don't you do part-time yeah and he ended up paying me more, which was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Doing part-time. And then I, I did, I was asked to direct some plays for my old school, which I absolutely loved. So I was able to, to put on some shows and then I did some drama myself, did a few acts and I got involved in, in economics and just started to, you know, look at local politics and things like that. So it was actually a sort of opening up of life. Yeah, rather than closing down. And then I had children fairly early on as well. So that I do get what you mean. I feel since I've had children, I mean, I suffered from infertility. I would say not myself before having children, actually, because I was very closed off, became a bit reclusive. And actually, since having children, I've become a lot more immersed in the community, found I've made friends. You know, my confidence has actually come back when it had gone. But I would say that that sometimes people feel they lose themselves when they become a mother. I feel I found myself, but I know that obviously people have different experiences of um, of Well, I definitely, when I gave up my work, I definitely had a period where I could see that lack of confidence because I didn't have anything to say, well, actually, I, you know, I'm a publisher and, and I didn't really know what I was or what I was sort of doing. And yeah, so it did take time to kind of re-establish who I was and what I was doing and even when I had one or two children it there was it was more what other what other people thought about me rather than what I felt about myself as in I was quite happy and I, and I think the most content I've ever been is with a newborn I just there's something about you know you're absolutely dog tired you're tired you know it's full-on but I was at peace I think that's the only way I can describe it it was just happy <laughs> so there is this fulfillment which we don't really talk about it's not something really showy and and there's nothing to sort of show for it but there is a sort of contentment I think there is our society just values doesn't it and I'm probably guilty of this being in recruitment that it's that question you go to a dinner party or what do you do and it's one of the first questions we ask people and it's we do then place a judgment don't we rightly or wrongly on you know some might say they're a banker and then you'd get a certain you know idea of that type of person in your head it might be completely wrong but 
I think that we are as a society guilty of that, judging people on what they do rather than who they are. So if someone asks you now at the party, what do you do? What do you say to them? <laughs> I thought about this a lot, but I probably don't know what I'd say. Raising the next generation or I'm a taxi driver or a hairdresser. I don't know. Seriously. I think my husband was, is always been really good on this because he's always told my children, you know, your mother does the most important job. She's like nurturing the next generation. She's so he's always been really great on that question. And the always, well, apart from them saying, I wish you were working because we could have holidays. <laughs> they kind of value what I do. So that's really nice. I think it's probably for us to be more creative and, and find better answers to the question that we don't just shut other people off. Because I suppose, you know, if we start saying, you know, I'm raising six, I suppose it, it gets easier the more you have, I suppose. If you say I'm raising six sons, people find that either impressive or crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, it made no difference whether it was six or one. You're, you know, you're still raising a child. Absolutely. So where do you want to see Mothers at Home matter? You know, how would you like the movement to grow? And where, you know, in 20 years time, what would you like the role of parents and mothers and caregivers to be in society? How would you like it changed? I would like to see that option to be a mother and to care for your own children supported. I think we're in real danger of losing that option. Yeah. That's my greatest fear, really. I don't want to see that loss for the next generation, for my children, what they're able to do with their lives. I want, I think families should be in control of their own lives. Yeah. And, and be able to make the choices that they wish. So that would be my greatest desire <laughs> that that option is not lost. There's quite a stigma, isn't there, as well about stay at home dads? And I know that's obviously some dads that want to stay at home. I mean, you know, what would you say to them as well? Well, I think it's both. I think people sort of think, wow, stay at home dads. This is what some people say. It also feels quite a radical choice, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Some of my best friends are stay at home dads and they're, they're amazing. I think what a child needs is consistency of care. Yeah. And whether a mother or father does it, you know, it's great that one of them is prepared to do that. We definitely support stay-at-home dads. We've chosen to keep the name Mothers at Home Matter because I think the the push is to get mums into work and the, and the, the real drive is that, you know, for mums, it's a step backward. And we're saying, no, it's not. It's a step forward. It's a radical step. So we've chosen to focus on mothers and, and because many mothers do it, to be able to, to look into the problems that mothers face, particularly whether that's you know some mothers have somewhere that they can go that's their support community. i know you did a conference didn't you before christmas what support do you offer stay-at-home moms and parents we have groups so we've got about 13 around the country where mums either meet in person or online they're very what's the word the individual groups that just sort of get on with it themselves so they whoever wants to set one up we just provide support and that the idea really is just to be to have local networking and just support role as mum at home. We have an, a newsletter which comes out twice a year. We have a Facebook group, a, a closed group that people... Facebook group called if someone wants to join? I think it's just Mothers at Home Matter. But I think you have to request to join, but it's not... It's not. Yeah, and I think just providing and just within our sort of social media, just, just saying you're doing a great job and <laughs> and you're not the only one and there are others out there. So you're, yeah, that's how I found you. It was on Instagram. So it's, is it Mothers at Home Matter? People... That's right. Mothers at Home Matter. Yeah. yeah people want, I don't know. Sometimes you have people have like, you know, dashes and stuff, don't they, in their, in their username that weren't available. So yeah, if anyone's interested in connecting with Anne, then please do. We'll put all those links in the show notes. <laughs> please join us. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I guess if anyone wants 
set up a local network if there's one maybe not running in their area I'm sure you'd be supportive of that definitely yeah well thank you so much Anne for joining me today for giving me more information about Mothers at Home Matter I think what you're doing is brilliant and like you say it does feel quite a radical choice at the moment because there's a lot of noise regarding working parents um, so it's so nice that you are a voice for, for parents that want to stay at home too so thank you so much for everything well, thank you for having me thank you Thank you for listening to another episode of the Work It Like a Mum podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share the link with a friend. If you're on LinkedIn, please send me a connection request at Elizabeth Willett and let me know your thoughts on this week's episode. You can also follow my recruitment site, Investing in Women, on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, keep on chasing your biggest dreams.